Hello everyone, it's Nico here on Imagine Action Broadcast Cross Borders. Yes, I'm so excited today to be here. I'm very excited because I'm here again to introduce another fantastic, fantastic interview. And this interview was done uh, or conducted by Ori Noemua and myself, Nikon Lovo. So yes, we'll be we're gonna be talking to Dr. Daniel Four. But this time, this is part two. If you already had part one, this is part two. I'm going to be personal talking to Dr. Daniel Four. My interest on this part two is that I want to hear more about his connections with Western African countries such as Nigeria and, and his journey as well. So, yeah, let's hear what he has to say. Okay, so, yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Um, for me, um, I don't know, I'm kind of like maybe confusing um, ritual healing with the traditional healing here when I hear you speak. Because that's really, um, I think the first question is, is like, you mentioned that you can retrain or learn. So I'm worried about what ages that can be like to get to learn ritual healing. And the other thing, um, I want to know more your connection with Africa in Nigeria. You mentioned Nigeria. I've never been in Nigeria myself. I'm from Zimbabwe. But I believe Nigeria is the biggest country as well in Africa. It's got lots of traditions, lots of uh traditional healings and and some of those um healers they use their powers for evil things so i want you to maybe explain to me like how do we separate these evil uh witch doctors and the the positive ones i mean like the folks who are in their 70s and just begin rather than learning ritual in the sense of learning traditions i would frame it as regrowing or re-inhabiting our capacity for relationships with other kinds of people. And so if you have plants that you're growing in a garden and you realize after 20 years of having a garden, you can actually talk to them. And then you get much like more healthy and vibrant vegetables. You, they, you start to dream about gardening. There's a different way in which the intimacy of growing food reaches you. That's what I'm talking about. It's really about coming back into relationship. We don't need to do ritual to relate with our ancestors necessarily. We can just start talking to them. It's the same with the earth. Like, are we enacting, or I suppose we're enacting a kind of ritual. We're doing an interview. We're using the sorcery that is English language to communicate. We're, you know, we're, we're but really we're relating. So in that way, we can expand our ability to relate at any age about my connection with west african traditions and yoruba traditions in particular it has that has to do with the history of genocide and enslavement of african peoples in the americas and growing up in the united states it meant that i in my exploration of ritual and different systems came into contact with lukumi or the the caribbean expressions of yoruba tradition from Yoruba people generalizing uh, up until the 1800s did a lot of uh, enabling behaviors to toward their neighbors, whether it's the Bariba or the Nupe or uh, the Daoman people or different neighboring ethnicities uh, because of the kingdom of Oyo and had a lot of political clout and collaborated at times a lot with the uh, European enslavers and colonists, colonialists. And when the Oyo kingdom fell apart, it meant that a lot of Yoruba people were then enslaved 
by their neighbors. And so a lot of the Yoruba people who were enslaved were previous administrators of a really extensive empire. And partly because of that and because of who they were from their life experience, Yoruba people had a, uh, were disproportionately known in the diaspora as participating in revolution and, and pushback against the atrocities of enslavement. And so the, the tenacity of Yoruba people and the timeline of them often being enslaved later in the history of the slave trade in the Americas meant that the traditions were kept alive to a higher degree than a lot of other uh, ethnicities that were enslaved. Uh, with the exception, let's say, of the of Haiti and the folks from the Benin Republic, and so they're you know it's not only Yoruba things in the in the diaspora, but Yoruba traditions are strongly represented in the diaspora, and so it's what I came into contact with. And then, for me, it was a very pragmatic sense of responding to power. I'm like these folks got things going on. I want to learn from them. I'm pragmatic. They're effective ritualists. But I didn't actually have any, so I spent years of involvement in the traditions in the diaspora, but I didn't actually have relationship and connection with Yoruba people per se, uh, in sure ancestral descendants of Yoruba people, black Americans, but Yoruba people per se until the last 10 years of making, made just four trips to Nigeria, which as you know, is a big colonialist country that's really many countries in there. I've believe 500 different languages there. I've only been to Yoruba speaking area. So Southwest Nigeria. And um, in that I found that Yoruba people tend on the whole to be generous about sharing their knowledge with folks who come with respect, including money to pay the priests appropriately uh, and who are open to a relational family oriented way of doing things. And so being in relationship with my own Aluo and teacher over the last eight years has been really great and his family and we've hosted him here and we've been there and, and, um, as for the potential to misuse power, that's with any power. I, politicians misuse power, teachers misuse power, therapists misuse power, you know, any vocation misuses power, uh, ritualists misuse power or not. And so, uh, you know, like, um, dictatorships are, are just, they're, they're, they're bad political sorcery. And, and, and so it's, we're really just talking about, uh, the need to have discernment about who's ethical and who isn't in any domain of human activity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I could say just that for, for now. Yeah. Oh yes, um, that's powerful. The other thing, like I, I heard you were saying about, uh, you can actually play someone on the theater, like someone else, then come out there and then come out with some energy and be in the other energy. So I was really struggling to myself. Like I, I really tried my own life. Like sometimes I go, this energy, I want to get out of it, but I don't. Mm -hmm. And then this, um, I find it difficult how to switch. I know we're told like, oh, you can change your thoughts. You can actually try and do something. But there's something deeper than that that has to be shifted. Um, I try to do meditation and stuff like that, but I'm on and off, in and out. So so the, I think the other thing was like I was thinking about um, people who suffer for anxiety, for example. It's the energy, mm -hmm. I think. I'm not, I'm not sure about I hope it's 
I'm right. So you as a doctor as well, I think you know like when you work with people up inside, how I just want to find out the steps how to shift these energies around. Yeah, I mean there can be so many different things happening, of course, but I would say that it's really important to include the body and to have a, a physical sort of practice, some kind of movement, something that recognizes that the mind and body are not separate. And different people experience that in different ways. So I'm still generalizing, but overall, the field of psychology has trended toward being a bit more humbled by the importance of including a somatic body oriented wisdom. And, and that is something that ritualists of any background would have told the psychologists if they were humble enough to ask in the first place. And so a lot of, for example, ceremonies with Native North American people, uh, referencing for a moment Lakota tradition, the purification lodge or the sweat lodge or the, the hot rock ceremony uh, is very physically rigorous. A lot of the ceremonies are physically rigorous. It's like, yeah, you can talk about what's going on, but come do it here in the dark, sweating while we're singing and pray about it first. That's different. You've already shifted the energy in some way. Or, yeah, let's dance about it first. You need to move your body and, and then we'll see what's left. So for one, there needs to be some kind of like putting our whole self in. The other principle, another thing is very important that comes out of Rich, my own experience with ritual arts is we tend in modern Western cultural spaces or mindsets to construct our experience as being interior or inner or individual or personal. And I think it's, it's problematic. What's good about it is there can be an ethic of personal responsibility for our state. So that's, that's good. That's wholesome. But most of what we suffer with is intergenerational. If someone comes with anxiety and I say to them, well, what if we transformed the suffering of your ancestors and addressed the really exploitative capitalism and the racism you're experiencing every day and the rigid gender binary and sexism and then your isolation personally, and then we'll see what's left. Because there's not, like, it's going to feel different after that. So I'm saying most of what we think of as personal suffering is systemic suffering, including interdimensional spirit stuff, all that, showing up personally in your particular moment of the day. That matters because we can let go of the idea that we need to personally be able to control all of those things and take a more relational stance. It's like, okay, if, if I say it needs to be resolved relationally, then maybe it's more about connecting with a power, connecting with the spirit of the ocean and, and using water as a way to soothe the electrical fire of the nervous system that manifests as anxiety. We are on these computers all the time these days. Computer technology is fundamentally, fundamentally elemental fire and a bit of mineral and metal and stone perhaps is mostly fire. And so, and if, if we say, wow, my nervous system is feeling a lot of anxiety and an excess of fire. Well, yeah, maybe there's a connection. So looking to the elements, to the land where we're at as medicine, 
that that's not new information, but it's not necessarily how modern psychology is always going to come at it. I think that's um that's really nice. This one is it's not like a question. It's kind of like a, again, I'm I'm still interested about shifting the energy. I'm just going to share maybe a bit small story. Like for sure. example, I'm from Africa. When I was young, my grandmother she used to be like a traditional healer. She used to take me to the forest to dig some roots and and stuff, mix it up. Since I moved to Europe 20 years now, I lost it. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, um, so yeah, it's kind of like, because now I'm in a the, in the different world. I cannot see those plants again in this, in this, in, the, in this European stuff. Mm -hmm. And kind of like, I agree with you that we actually shifted from, uh, with, to the Western uh, life, for example, which means I'm really angry inside myself that why did I lose my own tradition? And now yeah. I'm forced to leave this one. And it goes back like um, an idea, for example, as an African, I feel like a little bit suppressed when it comes to medic, uh, medical uh, medicine because our medicine is, is, is real, but it's not a li licensed to, to be in somehow, uh, to be in, in, the, in the field like other Western countries' medicine um, practice. Yeah. So yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm frustrated. I'm very happy to able to speak with you today. So you kind of like, uh, yeah, give me an idea what's going on. But I'm just trying to go to, yeah, kind of like switch back my energy to when I was young and with my grandmother, because grandmothers, those are people who talk to even when they're not here. You know what I mean? Actually, yeah. So yeah, I just want to hear your... Uh, yeah. Thank you, Nico, for speaking it like that. The anger... It's real, like, and and beneath that, also the sorrow at the damage from colonialism. I mean, just to move to another place, even if the even if there wasn't difficulty with the government in Zimbabwe, or even if there wasn't, you know, whatever the challenges might be, just to move to another place can be jarring because you have a whole new social network of other than human people, like the land. It's like you have a new community aside from the humans. It's just totally different. And, and in that way, it's, uh, it's good to reflect on what's meant by indigenous, to be of a place, to be for many generations. And then to move from that place is a kind of dislocation. And then beyond that, the judgment and the arrogance and the colonialism that would denigrate or devalue traditional ways of knowing it's really harmful and it's, it's often also racist. And although it, that same attitude plays out like within Europe or in, you know, in other places. So it's not only always racist, but the, uh, beneath that arrogance and supremacy is a kind of brittleness and a fear and a fear of coming back into relationship with the spirits and a fear of real power. And the invitation to just put your hands in the earth or to just greet the local river where you're at, even if it's not where you're traditionally, ancestrally, your people are from, the earth and the waters and the plants that are there where you're at will light up around it. Like, oh, good to see you. You know, your grandmother in spirit has, and the ones before her have the ability to guide you on how to reactivate 
that same ethic or that same wisdom where you're at? Like, what would she do if she were there? She'd probably be like, oh, you have all these new friends. Look at these new plants. Let's get to know them. Uh, and and so you, you, you meet your neighbors. And so you, even though you, there's not the intergenerational knowledge of how to work with them, it's also about the friendship. A lot of people are anxious because they're lonely. And they're, and they're tired of just relating with other living humans who are also stressed out. And so you might not know how to ritually prepare the same kind of medicine in the same way, but if you just greet the land and the waters where you're at and be like, I don't, like, I don't have an agenda, I'm just saying hello, they'll probably be like, well, hello, good to see you. you know? So there, there's a, an opening to relationship there. That's the move because so many people now are living in different places than where their ancestors lived. Or some groups, Jewish folks, for example, have a long history of moving around to different places, sometimes by choice, sometimes through adversity. And, and so to move around um, requires an ability to make new relationships wherever you're at. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us today, talking to us. It was really powerful, amazing. And for, for, for you to be here with us on Margin Action Podcast, because uh, what does it means a lot, because this is the platform for social arts and all the, yeah, all the kind people around the world who come here and who share knowledges and experiences and stories and education.